NBA Straya. How are you going? How are you going? It is NBA Straya. It's Thursday, April 21st, and it is the 800th episode of NBA Straya. That is chaos. Love it. Anyway, I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a Raja sometimes. So whomstever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet fighting stuff. Rolling Stone, Triple J, Junkie, you know the gear. Here in Larry Armour Studios in Melbourne, hanging out, giving you the lowdown, all the ins and outs of the NBA playoffs. And it's all happening while repping Australia a bit. That's what we do. Tell you what, more game twos and our first game three today. And it was absolute chaos. We got a Joel Embiid buzzer beating game winner. A Nets bed shitting and a huge boil over in Milwaukee. It's not Algonquin for the good land today. I'll get the latest on Devin Booker, Luca, Ben Simmons. He's back, baby. Maybe for game four, perhaps. And uh, we got to hang out with Josh Giddy last night. So that's all good and fun. We'll talk about that. Uh, we've got all the games covered in the NBA straight game wraps. We've got That's Not a Knife, All Made, No Made, Spot of the Night, Better Than Lonzo Ball. We've got the Yeah Nas. We've got the Unpopular Opinion of the Day. We've got Outback Takehouse. Where we're serving up a flame grill take. Uh, there's a very brief Australian player watch because Matty T is not allowed into Canada. And we'll uh, check in a uh, quick Kiwi corner, and then we'll preview and pick all the games tomorrow. And we'll finish off with a very special, very brief, uh, giddily positive reviews for giddily positive people with Josh Giddy. <laughs> it's very silly. But whatever, 800 episodes. We're a bit silly here to be a stress, what we do. But we take it all very seriously at the same time. All right, let's get stuck in. Episode 800 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shack attack. Uh, you better. You better watch out for the track. Traffic attack if you shack. Uh, the traffic attack if you shack. There you go. Uh, he got stuck <laughs> in traffic in Atlanta. Missed the start of the uh, inside the NBA today. It was pretty funny. Good stuff. And uh, Jay Wright retired. So we'll talk about that in a second. But um, enjoyed that on Inside the NBA where they're like, uh, Chuck is like, he don't want to coach anywhere where the players are older than him. Talking about coaching the Lakers. That's pretty good. Uh, right. As mentioned at the top, before we get into the uh, daily whip around, we hung out with Josh Giddy last night along with a few other hundred people. <laughs> it was awesome. A great night uh, put on by Chris Anstey and uh, Chris from The Missing Link uh, down there in Albert Park in Melbourne. It was great. A few tins, lots of chats, good hangs, uh, great memories. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, great night. Had by all. Just a bunch of basketball luminaries kind of everywhere and um, some really sort of big, awesome throwback names here and there. But... Uh, the Q&A was hosted by our, our man Liam from the NBL, Liam Santa Maria. Enjoyed that. He's always a good, well-researched host. Does a great job. Warza actually got up there as well. Warza giddy uh, for a Q&A in between uh, two bouts of uh, Josh Q&As with uh, Liam. Uh, but really enjoyed it. Like, you sort of learned a bit about Josh and his sort of uh, journey, I guess, from... You know, just being Warwick Giddy's kid to being the fucking number six pick in the draft and sort of that vibe of, like, what happened on the draft night and what that vibe was like. 
And I think some of the big things I got out of this was just how close and how devastated he was about not playing with the Australian Olympic team in Tokyo. Because it always very much felt like a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a push and a wink and a nudge from the uh, NBA and the draft and all that sort of stuff about him not doing it. and uh, But it very much felt like he was fucking completely devastated. <laughs> so, which sucks. Because, I mean, yeah, you win bronze and he was very, very, very fucking adamant. Uh, talking about he and Dyson Daniels and like the goal is to go out and represent the Boomers and win gold and fucking just go hammer and tongs. And how he loves hanging out and talking to like the older heads, the older Aussie NBA heads like Jingles and Dally and Patty and Co. Which is really cool. And it was just really fucking just like a bit of an eye opening going, holy shit, all right. So he really thought that he was in with a chance to make the team. And uh, the Boomers did actually make the decision of like, nah, we think uh, best for you, best for these guys that we'll go with this squad. And he got sort of left on the outer. So pretty interesting. But the rest of the sort of interesting things I found like just. A reminder about how important coaching is. <laughs> Sorry. It's just a nice sort of reminder. Obviously, his dad and all his dad's mates basically playing basketball or coaching or whatever and how having that sort of generational vibe of coaching around him would have helped his game impressively. Uh, but talking about, you know, getting used to the NBA life and everything was really cool and how, uh, you know, the NBA is a team sport with individuals operating as a team, uh, you know, and how he never really had a favorite team. Growing up, he followed players specifically and was way more into the NBL and watched a lot more NBL over his uh, years and how much he loved footy, etc. Just a nice little insight into the uh, into the guy. And obviously, like, his time in Canberra and, like, the NBA Academy and all that sort of stuff and how that sort of helped him grow up that little bit. But, like, my favorite things probably coming out of it were, like, how he was like, hey, yeah, see all the kids that we host in these camps and everything because he did a camp in Adelaide, he did a camp in Melbourne, he's doing a camp in New South Wales... And in the Gold Coast, and he's like, yeah, I was those kids, like, fucking five years ago. And you're like, that's right. Shit. He's 19. That is insane. And he was one of those kids, so that's pretty cool. Enjoyed that. And uh, there's sort of, as an addendum to that, one of my favorite aspects of it, he's just a genuinely cool dude, and how much time Josh Giddy had for all these uh, fans and uh, well wishes, autographs for everybody, photos, whatever. He just did it all with a fucking smile on his face. Hugs for folks. I mean, there was a uh, kid in front of us who had like a giant fucking scrapbook made up for him and he just loved every second of it. It's just the sort of stuff that, you know, warms your heart to see an NBA player just sort of give that much energy and time to just the legions upon legions of fans uh, who are there to obviously, you know, do the gawk and go, wow, you're special. And But there's genuine fucking love in that. And it was really cool that Gids was really up for it and loved it. So, had a good night. It was great. So, props to uh, Chris Anstey and Chris from The Missing Link. They did a great job. You had, you know, the uh, well, the CEO of the NBL. You had the CEO of Melbourne United. You had Tim Watts, friend of the program, there as well. DMAC, guest on the show. I got a photo of DMAC. Fucking love DMAC. I was there with my buddy Mick. And Mick and I are just like, fuck, it's D-Mac! D-Mac, can we hang out? <laughs> it was fucking sweet. Ah, uh, man. So it was a good night. Great night. Well done by all who uh, helped put it on and, you know, put so much time and effort into uh, getting Josh there. And to Josh himself, like, man, just his schedule, like, he's landed. He's gone to Adelaide. He's doing camps all day. jumping on a fucking 
you know, gets over to Melbourne, boom, camp, does this all night, he's off to fucking Sydney today, Gold Coast later, it's just, you know, just never stops, so that was a really fun night, good stuff, enjoyed the shit out of it, and of course, yeah, I got my photo with him as well, I had to, uh, it was one of those ones, you're like, should we? Yeah, we should, I'll get a photo with Josh, that'd be fun, and we did in the end, so... I was out there wearing my Sonics hat. I didn't bail him up about how the Thunder are, you know, my zombie Sonics, but what can you do? I got limited time. All right. So that was fun. So I guess if, uh, you know, you're going to the Sydney one tonight, enjoy it because it's fucking great. And, you know, again, massive props to Chris Anstey and co for uh, putting on it. It's fucking awesome. And Australia needs more of that. Right. Let's do the uh, daily whip around the way we start every show here at NBA Australia. That's right. As opposed to me just talking about being mates with Josh Giddy now, man. Uh, <laughs> Devin Booker! You might remember from yesterday, pinged a hammy. Not ideal. Uh, he's going to miss at least the next two games. Uh, so those are obviously the two games in New Orleans. That series is tied 1-1 now. Uh, but he hasn't been ruled out for the rest of the series. So it's kind of like you never want to grade injuries anymore. It's a thing that we've moved away from in the field of sports science uh, <laughs> over the last decade. And, like, it's one of those ones where I was like, oh, we don't want to call it a mild hammy strain, but, but it's a mild hammy strain. Uh, so, there's like, the Suns are apparently still evaluating the MRI, uh, just basically to get a clearer timetable for his return, possible ramp, you know, how much time he might need just on the sidelines. But, yeah, the fact that he hasn't been ruled out for the rest of the series is pretty good. Two games at least. Wouldn't be surprised if the uh, Suns, if they ping, you know, one of these... In New Orleans, then they hold him out for Game 5, maybe bring him back for Game 6. Better news, Luke Doncic. There's a shit ton of optimism now that Luka is going to be uh, bang on for Game 3. He's listed as questionable. Uh, it's the first time he's been listed as uh, questionable as well. He was doubtful for the first two games before he got, you know, scratched. So questionable is better than doubtful, which is kind of nice. Uh, there's a bit of cautious optimism that he could be cleared to be, you know, out there on the court. Uh, for tomorrow's game against the Yaz. And that would be awesome because that series, one all, could get extra spicy. Speaking of spicy series, Ben Simmons. Remember him? He's on the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Uh, so he's been practicing. And so it seems like it's going to ramp up even further in the next couple of days. And it's looking like he'll be back next Tuesday our time for game four of Celtics Nets. Uh, apparently the world's most, you know, stretched out long-ass playoff series this year. Uh, look, he's not been ruled out yet for Game 3, but it seems like, yeah, the uh, the shorter window for him to turn around and play in Game 3 uh, with only a couple of practices under his belt might be a little bit too short. So Game 4 looks like, boom, optimism. Game 4, Ben Simmons, his first game in a year. Unbelievable. Talk about that later. Chris Middleton. Injuries stink, don't they? So we just talked about, you know, blokes coming back from injuries. Chris Middleton sprained his MCL late in that game against the Bulls today. Uh, Sprained MCL. That is brutal. So he got an MRI. Well, he'll be getting an MRI tomorrow to basically get a a better indication of how severe it is uh, and then sort of possible timeline. So essentially, the Bucs are sitting going, well, we're definitely not going to have Chris Middleton for the next... Oh, shit, like forever. (laughs) Like, at least in this series, you'd feel like. A sprained MCL, though, it's always one of those weird ones. Like, ah, I hurt my knee. We'll see how it reacts. 
And uh, if it doesn't go great, then shit, it could be who knows how long. So we'll find out more tomorrow and we'll update you then. And the last sort of bit of news, mentioned this at the top, Jay Wright, the coach of Villanova, is out there retiring. So pretty interesting. He's about 21 years he's been the coach of Villanova. He's won two titles. He's been to four Final Fours. He's coach of the year twice. Bunch of Big East regular season titles, 20 titles. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, but I think more importantly for the NBA vibe of things, turn Villanova basically into a program that just churns out NBA players. So um, the outpouring of uh, basically, you know, all the sort of gratitude and uh, work and time that he's put into a bunch of these NBA players has just been, you know, thrown out. And the love shown is just through the fucking roof. It's like dudes like Kyle Lowry went to Villanova. Michael Bridges... It's always one of those horrible things when you think about the Sixers and how they just traded away Michael Bridges for nothing, considering he's a local dude and his mum worked there. Anyway, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Jalen Brunson was Nova, Josh Hatt, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, uh, one of Josh Giddy's favorite uh, teammates, he said yesterday, and Kenrick Williams, Josh Giddy also added. Pointedly not mentioning Shy Reddy Gilgis Alexander, just saying. Uh, Big Deke Bay went to Nova. Anyway, so go, look, the Jay Wright coaching tree is awesome. The players that he's had are, is awesome. Villanova, look, you can't really hate them. They're just one of those sort of stand-up operations, so great job by him. He also looks like he could be playing like a, uh, you know, mob accountant or something. <laughs> Love that. All right, so let's get into the game wraps, though, for today, shall we? Three awesome games in all their way. Sort of different shapes and sizes. Let's do it. Boston! And Brooklyn will be the first one. Game out, 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 game game raps. That's right, the game raps. Boston beating Brooklyn, 114-107. What an insane game this was. Boston looked all out of sorts early, like real out of sorts as well. They were getting belted, absolutely belted. And uh, I don't know, they turned it around pretty quickly, but it just felt like the energy and just the hustle wasn't quite there. What were they down? They were down like 17, weren't they, at one point of the game? Um, Which is just pretty crazy when you're like, oh, shit. Like, this is in Boston. They're right there. And then Brooklyn sort of shit the bed. It was papering over a lot of cracks, it felt like, this uh, Brooklyn start because... Like, the first quarter, they sort of just got off to a bit of a fly. It felt like like Boston just didn't score for, like, what, the first fucking three minutes of the game. And, uh, you know, Bruce Brown was doing shit, and you're like, oh, God, Bruce Brown has, what, basically scored... He scored, like, the first seven or something points, right? Like, the first nine points by himself, like a 9-0 Bruce Brown run. And off they went, and you're like, shit, if the other dudes on Brooklyn are really firing, Seth Curry's hitting threes in the first quarter, and... Away they went. And you're thinking, shit, if they're going to fire up and, like, Paddy Mills hit a shot in that first quarter as well, you're like, here we go, put the boot in, let's fucking go, Paddy Mills. All they need is Kevin Durant and Kyrie to step up and they're going to run over the top of them. Hashtag spoiler alert, it didn't happen that way. (laughs) Holy shit. Boston just sort of kept them within sort of punching distance after it blew out to 17. Um, They pulled it back. It was pretty crazy because it was like just before the um, end of the first half that it blew out to 17, like KD hit a shot 
one of the few shots he hit. But then Al Horford hit a big three. Uh, Tatum got in there, and then suddenly it's like, oh, shit, it's only like a nine-point game going to the half. And you're like, all right, well, they managed to just fucking negotiate that pretty nicely. And halftime, after halftime, talk about adjustments. KD's life just turned to shit after halftime. He got, like, I think they kept mentioning this on the uh, Celtics broadcast especially, swarmed. And then on the TNT broadcast, they kept saying, oh, swarmed. Because that's what happened! Every time he touched the fucking ball, he was getting basically gang-tackled. I think in the fo- uh, the third quarter alone, what do you have, like five turnovers? It was absolute chaos. Couldn't hit a shot. Absolutely fucking sucked. And I don't know if I've ever seen him just be so off. And then, boom, like at the start of the fourth quarter, I mean, Boston obviously pulled it all the way back. Uh, I think they tied it up in the third, like really quickly. Uh, got back out again, then they tied it up again. And then... Brooklyn, though, they sort of just eked out a bit more of a lead. They were still up, like, what, five going into the fourth? And um, from there, you're like, okay, well, this is it. And unfortunately, Brooklyn just decided to not score. Seriously, they scored four points for the first, like, nine minutes of the fourth quarter. It was just absolutely fucking atrocious. Meanwhile, Boston... Just went, all right, we're kicking to the doors now. Peyton Pritchard hitting shots. Jalen Brown just went on a wicked run by a wicked smack, kid. Like, just absolutely ripping shit off by himself. Peyton Pritchard doing work. And then Jalen Brown sort of got them back, what, 92-90. And from there, he drove, hits a layup. Pritchard hits a three. Brown hits another shot. Off they go. And then the three that he hit to put them up five with about six minutes left, you're just like, that sucked the energy out of the fucking building if you're a Nets. It ends up being a 21-4 to run by the Celtics. Smart's getting in on it. He's going fucking driving past everybody, putting in a lefty layup, looking at his hand. Jalen Brown grabbing his hand, looking at it. Amazing vibes. Tatum then hits a turnaround three at the end of the shot clock over Dragic that basically that was the game. Like, it was all over. Because Brooklyn had managed to sort of manufacture some points out of like getting to the line KD was just doing some pretty smart shit. But the Brown three and then the uh, smart layup to go up nine was just, it was just too much. Like Brooklyn just could never, ever get anything going. But Tatum's three, just the absolute fucking dagger, was absolutely awesome. And uh, the way he did it was just, he just goes, I don't care. It was basically to put them up 12, two minutes left. You're like, they're winning this now. And skadoosh, off you go. Packer up their nets. The worst part for me was Claxton looking at uh, Steve Nash on the sidelines. It was like 45 seconds left. It's only a seven-point game. And he's like, hey, 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 should I foul? And Nash is like, nah, 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 nah. And then the Celtics ran 21 seconds off the clock and then got a layup. And that was the game. It was fucking stupid. So that was a lot of the story. The Nets offense went completely ice cold with KD and Kyrie specifically in the second half being absolutely fucking atrocious. And their defense is always horrible. So when Peyton Pritchard is carving you up in the fourth quarter, it's not a huge surprise, uh, but it seemed like people were like, oh, that's a bit of a surprise. Like, no, watching the opposition players dance to the fucking, like, to a layup is like par for course watching Nets basketball. Uh, The thing that's not par for course is KD and Kyrie being out and out fucking horrible. So anyway, KD, that was the worst 27-point game you'll ever see. He went to the line 20 times. He went 18 to 20 at the free throw line for his 27, 4, and 5 because he shot 4 of 17 overall. 
Yeesh, with six turnovers. Brutal. Kyrie, he was fucking horrible as well. Just could not get anything going. Uh, he shot 4 of 13 for his 10 points and one assist, two turnovers. Just gross vibes. Seth Curry, look, he was all right, 16-3-2, but this is the problem. He also got cooked on D and gave them nothing offensively late. Like, they just couldn't manufacture looks for anybody. That's like because of the Boston defense. They're scrambly. They're switchy. They know where to go. It is awesome. And uh, Bruce Brown had 23-8-4. He was absolutely fucking unstoppable in the first. But, I mean, it's still Bruce Brown, right? You know? He's got to be like, where's my help? He went 3-4 or four from downtown. He filled in the gaps admirably. No one else did shit. Like, Goran had 18. Patty only gave him 5. Kessler Edwards played 3 minutes. And I think this was one of those games where you look at it and go, yeah, hey, the idea of fucking keeping Kessler Edwards and converting him to, like, you know, a proper guaranteed NBA contract and cutting James Johnson. Why the fuck do you keep Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge and cut James Johnson, who would have at least made Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum work just that tiny bit fucking harder and at least give you one more wing to throw out there rather than Kessler Edwards running around like a chook with its fucking head cut off? Like, what are we doing here? Sean Marks, mate. Like, I understand that Blake and LaMarcus Aldridge are veterans and understand that you're going to basically keep Kyrie and Kevin Durant happy as all hell. At the same fucking time, Marcus Aldridge and Blake were cooked fucking two years ago. Like, what are we doing? Uh, and there was also a great moment in the uh, fourth quarter where the Nets blew their uh, challenge because Kyrie's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're challenging that. Look, I got all the ball, completely ignoring the fact that he also whomped uh, Tatum across the arm after he got the ball, uh, which, yeah, that's a foul. Uh, it's one of those things where it shines a little bit of the light on uh, Steve Nash's role, and you're like, oh, yeah, Kyrie's like, no, nah, man, we, oh, we don't even really have a head coach. You know, me and Kevin, we're head coaches. Jacques Vaughan's a head coach. Steve sometimes, if he wants to be. It's like, I don't know, Steve Nash, maybe you have your fucking nuts on the table and going, Kyrie, no, we're not challenging that. You very clearly fouled it. I got a ball. Let's have a look at the replay first, dickhead. Anyway, uh, Jalen Brown, 22-6-4. He was unreal, as mentioned. Really kicks out of that Celtics offense in the fourth quarter that ripped off that 21-4 run. Uh, Tatum, with that capper, was absolutely fucking beautiful. 19-6 with 10 assists. Unreal. Just, like, it felt like he was quiet at times, but the moments he shone, they were massive. And it's sort of a testament to, like, how bad this Nets defense is that Tatum can just shred them apart with 10 assists, but it's also a testament to his better playmaking now. He can move that ball. 16-6 and six for average Al Horford, who just spent his night just ruining Kevin Durant's life. Smart! He went, what, 16... Ah, it's one of six from downtown. He had 12 points and five assists, and they survived that. That's nice. 15-6 and six for Danny Tice. Tell you who was huge. Grant Williams. 17.6 rebounds. The job he did on KD uh, was incredible and made them pay on the offense because he had the 17 points. He went 3-3 three three from three, three for free, and 4-4 four four from the floor. Unreal. Just bodied KD out of the road one time. I literally shoved him out of the way on a uh, free throw uh, rebound and got the putback. And it's just like, that was free baskets. Unbelievable. Uh, 10 points for Peyton Pritchard as well. He had eight points in the fourth quarter. He was massive. Uh, nice little back cuts, hit a big shot. Just did a little bit of everything. It's the exact opposite of all the other nets. Because KD and Kyrie kind of just like... Oh, I've got the ball. Uh, I better score, I guess. And just fucking complete blinkers on 
and then Boston would throw a double team at them. They'd fucking shit themselves, or KD would try to shoot through it. He got blocked by Tatum at one point. You're like, what the f... Who blocks a Kevin Durant jump shot? This is how bad he's playing. And I think the uh, worst moment, I think, in this game might have been, at least for the Nets, in terms of uh, them leaving points on the tables, when it was almost in back-to-back trips that KD and Nick Claxton both missed two free throws. Like, that's one of those moments where you're like, how shook is KD that he misses two free throws? And then Nick Claxton throws one off basically the backboard that clangs all the way back, basically back to half court, and then he's like a foot short on the next one. <laughs> it's like, fucking hell. Yeah, the Nets are fucked and they're losing this one, and that's what happened. So Boston lead 2-0, heading into the... Uh, very non-fortress of Brooklyn, uh, where there'll probably be 75% Celtics fans. And I feel like this is going to be a gentleman's sweep at the very best for the Nets at this point. But, I mean, this is the thing. James Johnson's just sitting there punching a wall somewhere going, why the fuck is Blake Griffin even still getting paid by this team? This is stupid. Why is LaMarcus Aldridge even here? <laughs> what are we doing? Anyway... I mean, shit, this is the thing. I mean, you need dudes who can actually get out there and play. And I think we've seen this year that Blake Griffin definitely fucking can't. James Johnson at least gave them something this year. Even if it wasn't great, you know he can get out there. You know he's going to compete. And defensively, shit, just a little bit more size on the perimeter would have helped. Anyway, Boston, two's here. Philly beat Toronto 104-101 in overtime on an insane Joel Embiid. Step back, falling over three with no time on the clock. And they win. Unbelievable. Oh, Raptors. This breaks your heart. They literally led all game until the first bucket of overtime. (laughs) They got up one with three minutes left, and then they never led again. It was uh, wildly tough. But look, they came out as you'd expect. Game three, down two zip. You go back to Canada. The other team don't have Matty T, Matisse Tybel. And it was will-to-win kind of vibes for the Raps. They played their ass off, but they could never quite shake the sixes enough. And then in the third quarter, Embiid really got rolling. We had, what, 18 points, I think, in the third. They're only down one going to the fourth quarter. So you're like, here we go. This very much feels like the series in this one quarter. And then, of course, it goes to overtime. You're like, well, I feel like this game is now the series. Uh, it was a brick fight late as well. Like The Raptors just couldn't buy a bucket. They didn't score for, like, a four-minute stretch, and then they didn't score for, like, another two-minute stretch right at the end. But both teams were missing, like, a million shots. It felt like there was a fucking lid on the basket. Because, um, like, the six is tied up, what, halfway through the fourth. Fred Van Vliet hits a three. That's answered by Embiid. There's another couple of scoreless minutes where no one can hit a shot. Gary hits a three. That's instantly answered by Danny Green. It's like, fuck it out. <laughs> like, no one can get a break here. Like, OG hits one. Danny Green has a turnover. Two minutes left. Precious gets one to go. They're up five, the Raptors. Less than two minutes to go. But Maxi scores, Harden scores, and Bead splits a pair of free throws. The Raptors can't get anything to drop in the last two minutes. The refs are all over the shop. We're going to overtime after Embiid misses a step back three for the win. Tobias Harris gets the rebound. Can't throw it up and over the rim <laughs> off the offensive rebound. He's swarmed by dudes. Whatever. We go to overtime. And it felt very much like Shades of Game 7 against the Raptors back in 2019. Like with the uh, the missed three and to- Tobias Harris, like the ball just hitting the rim and just coming straight back off. You're like, oh, God, the Sixers just can't win here. But then Maxi gets the first bucket in overtime. 
and they lead for the first time all game. And they're just like, everybody's sphincters tighter in hell. Everyone's playing pretty good defense. They just can't get anything to drop. Like, OG splits, what, two free throws with, like, 20 seconds to go. We're still tied, and then boom. Right at the end, Embiid loses sort of track of the clock after he sort of has to, he half fumbles the ball, has to go get it, and then has to chuck up a shot. But Doc, smartly, that's right, Doc Rivers calls a timeout. 2.6 seconds left. Embiid gets the inbounds, lane sideways over the top of the Fred Van Vliet. Bang. Three. Boom. Absolutely massive for the big man. Uh, There's like 0.7 of a second left, 0.4, whatever. Uh, Inbound sort of wobbles into the uh, hands of uh, OG, throws it up, misses, game over. Incredible win for the Sixers. Like, the Raptors got out-rebounded by 14. The OG had 26-5-4. He was full of fight. Gary Terrence Trent Darby Jr. goes 4-9 of from downtown as well. He ends up with 24. And you're like, great, not bad for a bloke who was... You know, fucking sick as all hell for, like, you know, the last week. But the problem was Fred Van Vliet and Siakam just couldn't get anything to go. Van Vliet goes 3 of 13 and 2 of 10 from downtown. Ends up with 12 points, 9 assists and 0 turnovers. But, I mean, he just needed to have that sort of massive balls in the line. Fred Van Vliet, Eastern Conference Finals kind of game. And it just wasn't quite there today. It might happen in Game 4, but... Maybe he should have another kid in between, I'm just saying. Siakam, 6 of 16 as well, 12 points. Just brutal. Uh, five rebounds, four assists. Precious was awesome off the bench too, 20 and 6. But just not quite enough up and down this uh, roster. And, I mean, without Scoob, Scotty Barnes, it just sort of yeah shows you how thin this Raptors team is. Like, there's awesome interchangeable parts when they're healthy. But as we've seen throughout the regular season, if you take away, like, the OG Ananobi or just literally one of these pieces all the way through the season, and it would th- sort of throw them into a bit of a tailspin, and yeah, not quite good enough, uh, which is understandable, because, you know, they're trying to build something, and Scoob's awesome, the rest of the team's awesome, but if they're not all firing all at once, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle, and they still nearly stole this. Anyway, Joel Embiid was incredible, 33-13, and 13, awesome game, six turnovers, shot 12-20 of 20, though, six of nine, nice, from uh, the free throw line. 19-6-10 for James Harden, who fouled out at the end of regulation and looked like he was trying to foul out at the end of regulation. <laughs> oh, shot 7-13, but oof, everything was like getting blood out of a stone. Maxi had 19 as well. He shot 8-18. of 18. Uh, Took a horrible three in the last 30 seconds of overtime where it's like, I understand that you're trying to go two for one, Tyrese, but maybe just get a better shot. <laughs> When it's fucking tied, mate. I'm just saying. But luckily they pull it off. Uh, and that's the Tobias Harris we know. 11 points on 4 of 9 shooting. But his defense was pretty handy in this game. Uh, Danny Green goes for 9 points. 3 of 7 from downtown. Uh, George Niang, 3 of 4 from 3 as well for 9. Shake at 11 minutes of cardio. <laughs> Enjoy that. 0 of 0. Uh, but Philly got 3 zip. They needed to win that one to make sure they've got 4 more games to win one and not shit themselves. So big win for Philly. And a tough one for Toronto, obviously. Uh, and last game, Chicago, Ike by Milwaukee, 114-110. What? Yeah. This game was chaos. This might be the biggest surprise of the playoffs so far that the only lowest seed so far to win a game in the East is Chicago. <laughs> it's like the one series where I'm like, that's a sweep. Uh, Chicago have just like never beaten Milwaukee like in their last 15 tries or whatever. And they do now. 
They lose Middleton to Milwaukee with that MCL sprain, but, I mean, the Bulls had control of this game from the get-go. Like, DeMar was feeling it. Vooch was hitting threes. In the second quarter, they grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, and they really just went fucking hammering songs. Like, Levine, DeMar, DeRozan there, Caruso were just on song. Did some damage, and it's like a 14-plus point game for, like, a big stretch there. After Middleton goes out, you're like, oh, shit. But the Bucks, look, they went on a run at the end of the third to get back in it and then decided to not score for the first three minutes of the fourth quarter. The, bu- bu- uh, the Bulls go back up 16. And then the Bucks go, oh, yeah, nah, shit. All right, okay, we'll get back into this again. Lopez was doing amazing shit. Like, it was a five-point game after Holiday hit a three. But then Vooch's massive, massive, massive three with two and a half minutes to go. Uh, put the Bulls back up eight. And the Bulls sort of just held on from there, right? Like, Lopez got a big three-point play. Uh, but then there's two very strange back-to-back possessions where the Bulls essentially sealed it after Bucks couldn't get a rebound. They gave up two offensive rebounds, three bites of the cherry on the one possession. DeMar gets it up and in. He gets to his 41st point. And then the Bucks, on the flip side, have three bites on their next possession with two offensive rebounds. They clank, I think it was a Patty C rebound, and then Drew Holiday clanks a three as well. And then it ends up, though, not in DeMar scoring like the Bulls did, but Giannis being called for an offensive foul, and that's basically game over. Um, Milwaukee had two more, like, they had more second-chance points, more points in the paint, more fast-break points, hit more threes, had more rebounds, more assists, doubled the number of free throws, and somehow fucking lost this game. That is crazy. And it never really felt like they were comfortable. Like, Drew just had a really weird off night. Like, the three that he hit, at the bottom of the fourth, where you're like, here we go. Drew might be on one. Ah, oh, nah, game's over. <laughs> it's like, and Middleton was awesome. He had five and seven from three before he left with his knee problem. Uh, he had 18, five and eight with four turnovers, but I don't know. It was just a bit of a tough one with Drew struggling. And uh, like Giannis was impressive as all hell. He goes 33, 18 and nine, which is just insane. 11 to 20 shooting. Um, he missed seven free throws though, Giannis. And as a team, they went 20 of 11 from the free throw line, the Bucks, in a game they lost by four. Now, I'm not saying that cost him a game, but I'm also not not saying that. You know what I'm saying? They also, seriously, they had double the amount of free throw attempts, and they missed 11 of them. That is fucking crazy. Where's Matthews missed both that he took? Giannis misses seven. I mean, Giroux missed one or two. Grayson Allen goes one or two. It's just brutal. Anyway, so uh, Lopez had 25 and 6. He goes 3 6 from deep to uh, Splash Mountain. 11 points for Wes Matthews, but the tough one was probably the 44 minutes at home for Patty Connaughton and Grayson Allen, who combined to go 2 of 10 and 1 of 8 from 3 for 6 points between them. You can't have your goddamn role players be that bad at home. And expect to win the game. The problem was they also lost Bobby Portis to like an eye contusion early. And then obviously lose Middleton later. And it's just like, oh shit, the Bucks can't catch a break. But the Bulls had to take advantage, right? Like DeMar had 41. That's a career high, career playoff high. He was awesome. Seven rebounds, four assists to steal, a couple of blocks. He went 16 of 31 from the floor. He had 41 points without making a three. 0 of 2 from downtown. 9 of 9 of the stripe. Unreal. Vooch had 24 and 13. He went 4 of 8 from downtown. Uh, Levine had 20 points, 3 assists. He went 3 of 4 from triples as well. But his impact sort of felt limited to uh, putting the boot in. And that's what Zachy Cakes, Adam Levine sort of always, always felt to me. Like, 
is the uh, pre, you know, penultimate, like put the boot in kind of, uh, I'm going to hit my shots now kind of do. Anyway, uh, Caruso might have been the best player outside of DeMar for the Bulls. He had nine points, ten assists, but his defense was fucking insane. Two steals, two blocks. He is three or seven from three. Patch Williams is really good. Ten, nine, and three for him. Uh, the bench, nothing there really for the Bulls. Kobe White, Kobe White goes one of five for his five points. But either way, the most unlikely win so far these playoffs, Chicago have tied the series one all. And it's going to go back to uh, Illinois, where it's going to be hype as shit. Cannot wait for that game three. That's going to be unreal. Anyway, let's do an NBA Stereo Pro performance in the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. I mean, you got two of them there, right? Joel Embiid, 33 and 13. The 18-point third quarter was just absolutely amazing. Because he sort of just did it in a very methodical Joel Embiid kind of way. He's like, all right, we're going to bring the ball, get it to me, we'll get to my spot. Ah, oh, this guy's got his arm out. Boom, I'm going to the free throw line. And we'll do that again. Rinse, repeat, off he went. And uh, then the three. I found it absolutely amazing that he tried the three at the end of regulation. No good. Uh, they tried at the end of overtime. Doc saves his ass from that horrible fucking just hoist up a prayer with the timeout and then they run the same fucking thing again the game's tied just get him closer to the butt whatever hit the three that was insane what a shot to be that size to have that fucking weird momentum of your body and to hit that shot just an extreme talent and DeRozan there with 41 points gets the sealer as mentioned he was fighting and fighting and fighting all game New career high, as mentioned, 16 of 31 from the floor. 41 points and only hitting two shot, uh, two pointers. It's amazing. 0 of 2 from downtown. 9 of 9 the stripe. You love to see it. Damar and Joel, bang. Big wins for both their teams. Big performances. They're the NBA Australia approved performance of the night. Uh, flip side of that, how about spuds of the night? Spud, 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 because he was like he didn't start off bad either. He had like ten points in that first quarter. They were looking great. Bruce Brown had his twelve points in that first quarter as well. If they went, but he was just really not in a rhythm. Kyrie couldn't get anything really going either early. And then you know what do you have like fifteen points at the half, feeling all right, and then it all just fell apart. He went zero of ten in the second half. Zero of ten. All he scored on was fucking free throws, and. It was just absolute chaos. The craziest part was, so I mentioned Tatum and how he was playing pretty well. He was shooting 3 of 13 before we got to the fourth quarter. And he ends up, like, not too bad. You're like, ah, Jason Tatum. That's how you salvage a game. 5 of 16, he shot. 2 of 5 from 3. The 19 and 10 assists, though, that was the big difference. Whereas KD just couldn't manufacture and find, like, easy looks for other people. Whereas Tatum was just finding dudes. It was pretty crazy. So... Enjoyed that, but KD going 0 of 10 in the second half. Kyrie going 1 of 7 in the second half. Uh, missing the only... They both missed... They only took one three each. Uh, KD's one was just a really open look, and he fucking just never looked like he was going to hit it. 
So Kyrie was minus 20 in the second half. KD minus 19. They combined for 16 second half points and one of 17 shooting. Oh, that's some spot action, isn't it? Jesus. Look, this is the first time in KD's career he's taken 10 field goal attempts in the second half of a game and made zero. But Kyrie's disappearing act, I think, is going to be the story that doesn't get quite reported. 4 of 13 for the game for 10 points. 0 of 1 from downtown. He had two total free throw attempts, one assist and two turnovers. He absolutely ghosted the Nets in a big spot like they were the Celtics against the Bucks. You know, that's what he does. Jesus, Kyrie. Oh, no, nah, man. I'm all about this in the playoffs. Are you, though? <laughs> Are you? What a spudling. Like, they were so spudding it, they were sp- shooting out spuds out of their ass down their legs. That's how badly they shit their pants. Jesus, Nets. That was gross. Old mates, no mates. Old mate, 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 no mates. Who's got no mates today? Look, Kyrie still being booed every time he goes near the ball is never gonna never gonna get old. I fucking love it. It is old mate no mates to the extreme. Feed it. Feed it. Let's fucking go. To be honest, I want this series to go seven just so I get to see Kyrie two more times in Boston. Fuck yes. Uh, old mate, no mates, Drake, Embiid coming for him. I'm going to come for the sweep, bro. I'm coming for the sweep. Amazing stuff. And uh, Danny Green trying to, uh, you know, basically get his ass thrown out against the Raptors. And uh, his teammates, Harden, Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey, basically shoving him, like almost fighting him so he doesn't fight the ref and get thrown out. That was some great mates. Like they're just like, nah, man, fuck you. But it was also like Danny Green getting hype. And uh, getting, like, no calls is very Danny Green, but god damn, it was tough scenes. And, uh, look, old mate, no mates, I feel like the refs in general, like, these games today, it felt wildly unpredictable. Like, there was shit that was getting called on one end that just went absolutely just pear-shaped on the other, just nothing was happening for one team, and then, like, the, the refs would somehow try to make up for shit and just, like... All we ever want is consistency. Like It was fucking crazy in that Celtics-Nets game. Just some of the calls, you're like, for both teams, you're like, what is happening here? These refs are fucking cooked. Anyway, pantsing of the night. Whoa. Very fat, 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 very, very fat, fat. Uh, Embiid sent a DeMar DeRozan shot just fucking cannoning away. I enjoyed that, but I mean, who got the last laugh? And the same goes for Precious. He snapped one off on Embiid's head that was fucking brutal. Uh, but again... They both lost the game. So who's laughing now? (laughs) Love that. And finally, better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you don't get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. How about a couple of his teammates? Patch Williams with a 10-9-3 and the Caruso himself, Alex Caruso, uh, with the 9 points, 10 assists. Today, look, both of them, they did an amazing job. Like defensively, the size of Patch, the size and hustle of Caruso made a really big difference for these Bucks, uh, sort of, you know, ex- extraneous players, right? It's like the Drew Holiday, we know he's a defensive stopper, but if you can sort of make him work a little bit for his offense, really slows down the Bucks. It's exactly what happened, and Caruso was fucking amazing. So Caruso and Patch today, better than their teammate. Lonzo Ball. Right, let's do some Yanaz right after this. 
This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Miss McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. Let's do some ENRs. Probably the most consistent uh, thing we've had across 800 episodes of NBA Australia. Anyway, they're brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. Celebrate 800 episodes of NBA Australia with your very own NBA Australia t-shirt. Go check them out, nbaaustralia.com slash shop, or just click on any of the links on the old socials. The shop's right there. It's all nice and shopified. And uh, get out to your ASAMP. So go check it out. Buy a hoodie, buy a t-shirt. Help out your uh, favourite 800 episodes long podcast, NBA Australia. Australia's favourite and only daily NBA show. Uh, right, yeah, Nas, where we decide whether something's more yeah or more nah. Pretty easy. Let's go. Do the Nets win a game in this series? Yeah, nah. Yeah. Game four. Uh, gentlemen's sweep. It'll be... After uh, Boston get one in Brooklyn, and but we'll do we will get a KD and Kyrie game. Look, it might might be game three where KD and Kyrie have a game at Barclays where they go absolutely fucking ham. But Boston are just in a different tier as a team, I think at this point, aren't they? Even without Time Lord, their defense is so fucking quick and so reactive. But also, I mean, on top of that, proactive. Like you just look at KD and then like he's he's touching the ball, boom. Al Horford is like. I'm just going to fucking run at you, bro. <laughs> and KD's like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And, like, without the sort of sheer confidence that KD usually has, right? And this has been the big thing for me, I think, watching KD in these last two games. Like, the lack of confidence because he doesn't really have the scoring going. When he's on, he's absolutely unstoppable. I mean, he's a seven-foot shooting machine. But at this point, if the shot's not there... You saw the difference of like, all right, well, Tatum's shot's not going down, but he's like making awesome plays for like the likes of Pritchard and Jalen Brown and like Danny T, etc. And KD's just like, oh, fuck. Who am I going to pass this to? Kyrie, then I'll never see it again. Bruce Brown? Ugh, it's just tough scenes. Uh, I think KD just rips off a massive one in game three. Kyrie maybe as well. Uh, but, yeah, they will still lose one of those games anyway in Brooklyn, and they'll go back to Boston 3-1 uh, down. So I think they'll get one game. I don't know if it'll be game three or game four. Probably game three, actually. If Ben Simmons comes back for game four, I think that fucks him up more than anything. Uh, but, I mean, even if he just manufactured, like, an easier look once or twice a fucking quarter for KD or Kyrie, God, that'll make a big difference for this Nets team at the moment. But I think they get one. I can't really see them getting two, though. Uh, that's bye-bye Raptors, isn't it, Jimmy? Yeah, nah. Uh, is it, though? It's the Sixers, coached by Doc Rivers, but I'm probably going to say, yeah. I, like, if they had, like, the personnel to maybe just make Joel Embiid not one of the greatest big men of all time, <laughs> maybe, they, I'd still sort of give them a bit of a shot to fight back into it, but... He is on such a fucking tear 
and on such a mission right now that I can't quite see the Raptors like winning this series from three zip down. Even though it's the Sixers and Doc Rivers, you know what I'm saying? And James Harden. So yeah, I think it might be bye-bye Raptors. They might get game four. But yeah, I think this one was their shot to stay in the series, and I think it might be uh, a bit cooked now. Are the Bulls back? Yeah, nah. Ooh. Nah. I 100%, like before the MCL sprain was announced, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, the Bucks will go into Chicago, win both, and they'll finish this in five. Now without Chris Middleton, Bucks in six. <laughs> like that's basically where I'm still landing. Uh but the problem is, I think losing Portis is like a bigger story than you sort of think for that game. Especially that rebounding was really fucking weird. Um, and also just those weird random junk buckets that Portis gets you sometimes. But if Middleton can't go, it just makes the Bucks just a little bit, makes it tougher for them to win. But it might also be like the sort of kick in the ass and the lock-in moment that they need, you know? Yeah, I think Bucks will win this in six. Uh, Jez Oz! Yeah, nah... My yeah nah for today is if the Suns need a CP3 standout performance to get over the line against the Pelicans, then they are heading toward choke territory in the second round of conference finals. Yeah nah. Oh, that's such a good one. Because if they do need Chris Paul to step up in a big way and carry them, then yeah, like, depending on how long Booker might be out for, and like, even when he comes back, you know, the hammies, they're fucking... Really tenuous. Uh, it does feel like just the Suns missing Booker. They were fine without Booker. We sort of talked about it on yesterday's show. I don't really think they need a CP3 standout performance, though, to get over the line against the Pelicans. They just need like dudes like Michael Bridges to step up. They need the Sham Wow uh, good game. They need the uh, random campaign awesome game as well. And I think by the time you know, they, if they get past the Pelicans, which I think they will, by the time they get to the second round, Booker should be at least like maybe feeling a little bit better. So I think they'll be all right. Um, but yeah, it's a good point that Jez makes about like, oh, we need CP3. And it's like, well, we have a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, evidence to back up. If you need CP3 to step up and deliver in huge moments in the playoffs, then you might not be going as far as you thought. Yeesh. So there you go. It's a bit weird, isn't it? All in one day, you've got the two teams that I basically thought would rematch in the finals, the Suns and the Bucks. You've got Booker going out, you've got Middleton going out, and shit's just gone completely awry. And the Celtics and Sixers are going to be sitting there going, fuck yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Miami's like, nobody's even fucking talking about us, bro. This is sweet. We made the finals two years ago. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Ah, uh, look, Ben Simmons, like this could almost be a yeah, nah. Like does Ben Simmons help the Nets? Yeah, nah. Yeah, to a degree because he's better than Kessler Edwards, you know? But also, nah, because like you can't expect a bloke who hasn't played all fucking year by choice, remember, then who fucked his back trying to get back into shape. <laughs> to come in in the middle of a fucking playoff series when last time we saw him in a playoff series, he had shit running down his legs from how badly he'd packed his own fucking dacks. You can't expect that dude to come in and have, like, a big impact. Like, I think it's one of those things where 
the reputation of a player gets blown out a bit um, on defense as well. Like, I feel like Ben Simmons is a force multiplier on defense, right? Like, if you've got a half-decent sort of uh, system around him, he'll help rather than him just being a shut-down one-on-one guy, right? The problem is he's going to help the Nets on D because they're already so bad. <laughs> so, But your force multiplier can only go so far if like the other pieces on that team are not very good. Whereas like the Sixers, they would have dudes like Matty T. They would have dudes like Danny Green. Embiid, like you've got actual fucking half-decent defensive players on that team, even Tobias Harris, as you've seen. The Nets have got Kyrie Irving. Yeesh. Uh, Kevin Durant, pretty bloody good. But then, I mean, Bruce Brown, who, if you're sitting there going, oh, we can play Bruce Brown and Ben Simmons together, that's fucked. Seth Curry, who just got cookerated a couple of times today. Simmons, though, will help against Brown, Tatum, and Co. just because of his size, his defensive nous. But in his first basketball in a year? Yeah, he's not swinging the fucking series, you know what I'm saying? As I mentioned, though, like if you can take a little bit of the pressure off Kyrie and KD in terms of the ball handling and just maybe somehow like setting them up for an easy basket here or there because, fuck, they're working so hard. I just don't think he swings a series. He helps a little bit, but also it's his first basketball basically in a year. It's going to be a bit too much to ask, I think, and that's why the Nets go out in five. Right, Outback Takehouse. It's Thursday at Outback, and you know what that means. That's right, we're deep-frying an onion and making it look like a flower for some fucking reason. No one knows why, but we call it a blooming onion. Only at Outback. What the fuck is it? No one knows. It's deep-fried onion. Shut up, idiot. I don't care that you're an Aussie and you've never heard of it. Whatever, eat it up. Today's flame grilled take that your blooming onion goes great with, two for one. The Bucks will still win this series in five. Only... At Outback. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The other uh, Outback takeouts I was thinking was like, Ben Simmons will come in and shut down Jalen uh, Brown or Jason Tatum, and the Nets will push this to seven. Uh, but just the more I've thought about the Simmons thing, the more I'm just like, it's a bit much to ask, isn't it? As good as Sivo is, and as much coverage as he sort of gives you on defense, just a step too far. For a dude who hasn't played all fucking season. <laughs> oh. Alright, Strain Player Watch right after this one. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Alright! Strain Player Watch, let's do it. Patty Thrills, Patty Mills. One of those weird ones where Patty. I actually wrote about this in the article I wrote for pickandroll.com.au. Like, when he switches roles, it seems to take Patty just, like, a fair whack of time to sort of get back into the swing of, like, what his new role is. Today, he wasn't bad. He had five points, one rebound in his 18 minutes, two or four from the floor, one or three from downtown. Defensively, like, it's not like they're hunting him, but it's just the Nets are just that little bit small when he's out there, Seth Curry's out there, Kyrie's out there. No matter he, like who he's kind of sharing the floor with. And that's one of those things where you look at the Ben Simmons edition and you're like, oh shit. It gives your like ball handling and your uh, guard play like that much more leeway to be used and used in different ways. So maybe Paddy benefits from having Benny next to him as well, which would be kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, like a couple of times he got beat. 
And you like watching him going, oh shit, Patty's trying to stay in front of Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown's like just throwing a fucking shoulder at his face. You're like, Jesus, yeah. It's a bit tough for a fucking <laughs> a dude Patty's size to be checking like a, a nominal shooting guard like Jalen Brown. Fucking hell, man. Tough scenes there, tough scenes. Uh, good to see Benny Courtside though as well. And Aussie Matty T obviously didn't play for the Sixers today because he's not allowed in Canada because he didn't see any benefit behind getting fucking vaccinated. Anyway. Right, let's do a Kiwi Corner. Love good Kiwi Corners. Let's do it. See what Stephen Adams has been up to. Uh, because it's a bit of a downer, actually, but oh well, off we go. Yeah, so the big Kiwi. Mentioned this uh, in passing. He only played, what, three minutes the other day? And props to Taylor Jenkins, though, for looking at this and going, right, Carl Anthony Towns lumbers around. He's a big dude, but obviously spends and loves to spend a lot of his time on the perimeter. We've got Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, and we've got Steven Adams. We love playing the two big fellas together. And so after he played uh, big Steven Adams, uh, 24 minutes against the uh, Wolves in game one, he had 4,000 in those 24 minutes. He didn't hit a shot, didn't take a shot. He had three rebounds and three assists, but he, those 4,000 a turnover, he just sort of got played off the floor. And Cat was kind of just like, all right, now I can do some cool shit. And that's the game they lost by 13. Then in game two, he had foul trouble really early, right? He gets that second foul within three minutes of being out there. And Taylor Jenkins just goes, "Uh, actually, yeah, Xavier Tillman. Let's just play a lot of Xavier Tillman. And that's what they did. And it made them just that much quicker on the perimeter. And the Wolves just got completely discombobulated. Cat couldn't do anything. Cat was in foul trouble on the flip side, so... The big Kiwi, Stephen Adams, ends up with zero points and one assist in his three minutes in that game uh, with two fouls as well. So, tough one, but look, completely understandable against a team like Minnesota where it's just, you know, a very perimeter-oriented big fella who you can probably try to cover with Triple J or Xavier Tillman and Cat's not going to absolutely demolish or him. Uh, but it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in game three because I've got to assume that the big Kiwi doesn't even get out there. But... Who knows? Who knows? We'll find out tomorrow. Right. Speaking of which, let's do the Patty Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. And uh, a lot of this was the Chris Anstey uh, IG updates. I enjoyed that. But also, uh, always a pleasure, PJ Johnson Taylor's Jock Landale's in there getting some suits, baby. Some suits. Uh, Josh Giddy, though, enjoyed this one today. Uh, Elite vibes last night for the hometown kid. Year one in the books. One incredible homecoming. Welcome back, Josh Giddy. Uh, Giddy reposted Homicide, uh, Corey Homicide Williams' uh, uh, IG post. But also my favorite was uh, Tom Mitchell from the Hawks uh, was there. I think Giddy's a uh, big Hawks fan. So T. Mitchell's right down the front with him and uh, hanging out. And they got a photo afterwards, which is pretty neat and pretty nice. And, uh, yeah, so enjoyed that. He loved a bit of... Uh, Homicide, he loved a bit of Tom Mitchell and he posted about it. And uh, the Chris Anstey IG story. So go, if you don't follow Chris Anstey, I mean, what are you fucking listening to NBA Australia not doing that for? Uh, but he's got like a great collection of sort of IG posts and everything about uh, last night. So go have a look. It's inspiring as all hell because that's what it was. It was really inspiring. It's like one of those things you go, like, yeah, basketball in Australia has got like a long storied history. And when you actually get that sort of collection of folks in a room, it's fucking awesome. And really fun. It was good to see like Dave Hughes there. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Tim Watts. The uh, you know 
big honchos from Melbourne United in the NBL. Yeah, it's just really fun. Nice. Right. With all this in mind, let's do some game previews for tomorrow. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How was it meeting Josh Getty? Oh, I was good, man. What a fucking lovely dude. I'll just tell you that much. Like, to have that much time for people, I'd be just like, dude, I'm fucking over this. <laughs> he was so fucking good. Oh, man. Uh, we went one of three today on the picks because of fucking Joel Embiid hitting a three. I think we had uh, the Raptors minus, uh, plus two and a half yesterday and Philly not winning by uh, three. We're now the Boston pick. Uh, and obviously missed out on Milwaukee because uh, Chicago came out of fucking nowhere to win that. So interesting times of the picks at the moment. That means we are six of 17 picks so far in the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. So five days in, we'll get better. Uh, tomorrow, we have three games. We've got Memphis, Minnesota, Game 3, Dallas, Utah, Game 3, and Denver, Golden State, Game 3. So... Memphis, Minnesota is fascinating. The Grizzlies are one and a half point favorites in Minnesota. I think Memphis win this one, and it's a bit of a shock to the Minnesota Timberwolves system where they're like, but I thought we were awesome. And Memphis have made just enough adjustments to uh, stymie a lot of Memphis, uh, Minnesota's offense. I think this will be a tighter game than game two and game one, actually. But Memphis hold on and win it. Uh, I think we get a really big jar game. And I think their sort of combo of their big dudes, how they use them against Cat, will be really, really good. I think the Grizzlies win that. So it could be minus one and a half for the Grizz. And then Dallas go to Utah. The Jazz are seven and a half point favorites. And I'm going to take Dallas plus seven and a half. Because if they get Luka back, they might not win, but it's going to be fucking close. So give me the plus seven and a half for Dallas. Because having split in Dallas already, Utah have copped it and copped it and copped it. Oh, you couldn't beat Dallas twice in Dallas without Luka. What are you doing? Now they get Luka back. That can tend to work against the team getting back the superstar. Uh, And I think Utah will take that. And that's when I took that personally. Um, I think the Jazz might end up winning this, but I think Dallas just covered. The 7.5 is a little bit too big. So give me Dallas plus 7.5, but Utah probably to win. And then Denver, same thing kind of goes. So they've been absolutely straight pantsed by the Warriors in games one and two. You've got Steph coming off the bench, Poole playing out of his ass, Clay being bloody good, Draymond just getting on a bit of a roll. Denver's just players outside of Joker have been horrible. But we're going back to Denver. We're going to altitude. I'm taking Denver plus two and a half. I think they get their one win of this series tomorrow. I think they get a massive Joker game, and I think some of their role players step up a little bit and uh, actually get themselves a bit of a win because they need to. <laughs> and we all know role players play better at home, and especially at altitude, I think Denver will have a little bit of an advantage, so I think they can pull that one off. So give me the plus two and a half for Denver. So we've got two underdogs and a road do- uh, road favorite. So should we just see how we go with the picks tomorrow? He's hoping we go 3-3. Three, three. What do you reckon? Sound good? Yeah, good. And uh, holy shit, that's it. 800 episodes. Yeah, I didn't really think about getting a guest or anything for this one. Uh, I mentioned that on yesterday's show. I just like, no fucking time, man. Like, organizing it all and all that sort of stuff in between the squid, sort of having his asthma and everything last week when I probably would have been organizing a guest. It was all just a little bit much. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. 800 is awesome. We made it. We did the damn thing. And, uh, you know, I'll probably just have a guest on 
soon anyway, <laughs> just because I like having guests on. It's fun. Uh, we haven't had one on for a while, though, because just the organisation and time side of it just fucks me over. So anyway, what happens when you got a kid? Shit gets a bit wonky. Right, either way, it's been awesome. 800, thanks to everybody who's listened, who's reviewed, uh, who's, like, told mates, who's bought some merch. Uh, and if you want to, like, you know, help out, tell a mate. It's like, what are you doing? You love basketball. Listen to NBA Australia, you idiot. <laughs> Jimmy, he's just fucking out there talking all the time. And that's what we do. Uh, so anyway, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IG. We'll be back tomorrow, obviously, with a soup new show. Uh, check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Uh, Adam with World Wrestling Australia as well. That's over on YouTube. Go check that out. FWCIE on Twitter. Uh, NBAstraya.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. And chuck us a rating review on your podcast app. Come on. 800 episodes. If that doesn't earn a bit of a rating and review from you, oh, you're taking the piss at that point. Uh, go to Knowable and download that from your app store. Bang in the code Australia. Get 20% off. Big thanks always go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. That's 800 episodes now. Uh, check out their new band, House Hats. But also, big thanks to Joshua Delorendis, Fascinator, Goldmines, Ramshack Alami, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green Green, Green and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Uh, smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple Down Earth, Face the Apple Music, Spotify. However you listen to your tunes, follow your bands. NBA Australia supports Australian bands, so should you. Righto. Episode 800. We're going to finish it up with a brand new Giddily Positive review for Giddily Positive People with Josh Giddy. About meeting me. <laughs> we'll catch you tomorrow, you dickheads. This is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? Love your guts. 800 episodes, can you believe it? I certainly can't. It's all because of you legends out there. I love yous heaps. Righto, see you tomorrow. Ladies and... Oh, hey there. How's it going? It's Josh Giddy here, in person because I popped home to Australia and just wanted to say a really big congrats to Jimmy for 800 episodes of NBA Australia. I just wanted to give a giddily positive review for giddily positive people of meeting him last night and I think he's just a really good bloke. I mean, 800 episodes is a long time to be doing anything, so there's got to be something good in there, I guess, you know? I haven't listened to too many of them, but I've listened to some. He does a lot of yelling and swearing. But yeah, reviewing meeting him last night was really great. I mean, yeah, he shoved like eight kids out of the way and swore at their parents and called them cowards or something. But look, ah, no, look, I was really into it. It was really fun to be around. He brought over like eight beers and drank them all himself. Like, And only once did he threaten to take my wallet. <laughs> Funny, Jimmy. I think he was joking. Hang on. I should check to see if I've still got that. And it's gone. Ah. I better look. And I've just got a notification on my phone that I think he's bought a car and a slab on my credit card. Oh, <laughs> classic Jimmy. Anyway, uh, look, yeah, to be honest, meeting him was awesome. Uh, great times were had. Uh, I didn't get his autograph, but, you know, we got a photo together. So it was really cool and really nice. It was just nice to see him there lending his support. Uh, so I'll give it about 80 giddy-ups out of 10 for meeting Jimmy from NBA Australia. Okay, so congrats on 800 episodes, Jimmy, and uh, I'll be back next week for a pop culture review, I guess. Got a bit of time off now, so that's really cool. Okay, this has been Josh Giddy with another Giddily Positive review for Giddily Positive People with Josh Giddy. Giddy up!